This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. I think you're the first Aston Villa player to play at a major tournament for England since Gareth Southgate. What does that tell us about what is happening at Villa now and how long do you think it will be before you're lining up next to Jack Grealish in an England shirt? <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't know um, to both of questions. I mean, the first one, Aston Villa, yeah, we are in a, in a, a good time at the moment. We're enjoying some, some success and some stability on the pitch after... Um, a few up and down years but um, I wasn't aware of that fact about me being the um, most recent player to play for England at a major championship since the manager but that's nice and in terms of Jack um, I don't know I don't know I, I knew it wouldn't be long before I was asked about him Welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast. I'm David Michael, the editor of My Old Man Said. It is time for the My Old Man Said spin on the Euros. Bring some sanity into the equation, into the discourse of uh, discussing what we've seen so far. Joining me, Mr. Chris Budd and Mr. Phil Shaw. Welcome. Hello, mate. How you doing? Hello. All right, all right, all right. I, I saw you actually at uh, the weekend. Uh, while Wales were playing, we were paying homage to our Welsh brothers by uh, climbing up their biggest mountain yeah you made it six foot whatever even taller so well done <laughs> but yeah for uh, for a moment there my head was the tallest point in wales <laughs> and england so um, i'm quite proud of that achievement we did well bloody early start though <laughs> yeah don't don't tell people i actually got up at 4 a.m in the morning <laughs> no, nobody would believe that nobody would believe that so we have a legitimate reason to uh, talk about the euros uh well mainly because we know more about football than most of the muppets that are talking about it but uh, also there's a villa connection as well we have two players in the england team and uh sir john mcginn in the scotland team so uh and the mighty Lovre Kalnic on the bench for Croatia. That's the most important one. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're not going to dwell too much on him. But uh, yeah, it's just a uh, straight-up Euros bing-bang bosh. We'll obviously 
Straight focus, up Euro trash. Focus on the England and then uh, go into the rest of the tournament. Uh, this is recorded after, uh, I think the last game before this was recorded was uh, Spain versus Sweden. So uh, you know where you are. Decent looking ball for Phillips. Got past one, then two, then plays it into Sterling! That will do nicely! Right then, let's get into this because I've uh, some of the drivel I've been reading on social media is unbelievable. Just whining about uh, Southgate, whining about no Grealish. It's like you're you're allergic to happiness. That's what it is. But also, it's like oh, this you know agenda against Grealish. Well, let's 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 remind people of uh, perhaps why Grealish uh, wasn't featuring in that first game. First of all. He's barely fucking kicked a ball in the last three months. Meanwhile, uh, the likes of Sterling and Foden were winning league titles. Mason Mount was lifting the Champions League. And Grealish uh, has had an ongoing injury that uh, they've kind of rushed, rushed him back. I mean, that's why he played a full 90 minutes against Austria. Was, this is, you know, if Southgate's got an agenda against him, he wouldn't fucking pick him. I think he's getting Grealish in there on the off chance that he's gonna get fully fit and that was why he gave him that full because uh, most people would have like just uh, given him 45 minutes or whatever against Austria but he gave him the full 90 because he wanted to get him up to fitness and he's obviously thinking well one eye on the World Cup as well because the experience of this tournament's only going to make Grealish better in the future as well and you know these things come thick and fast and the World Cup will be uh, upon us soon but he has a role to play in this tournament. Absolutely. In terms of sele- in terms of selection, I mean, I looked at the starting lineup, and I mean, everyone was a little bit baffled, but I wasn't necessarily surprised at the Grealish one. My big one was sort of, you know, you and you've got a Champions League winner and Luke Shaw, probably one of the most informed players in the league at left back. You thought, why would you play a right back at left back? I mean, Trippier did okay. I don't necessarily think he'll play all the games there, but I would understand the reasoning. And Southgate explained that he wanted the experience there and a sort of a steady back four because he was missing. You know, Maguire, who's probably the talisman at the back, and whatever anyone else thinks. So you want a bit of continuity, don't you? You've got that set piece uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, threat as well from uh, Trippier as well. Yeah, that, that was the... I just assumed there was some kind of injury uh, going yeah, on there. Yeah, the but, but in terms of... Uh, I mean, let's talk just Grealish at the moment. You've got an ageing Croatia team, and it's fucking hot as well. So one thing you don't want Croatia... Because Croatia you know, were still the World Cup finalists uh, last time out. So they're no schmucks and they're, you know, the main threat before we go into this tournament, before we've seen, you know, the teams play of this group to England. And, you know, an aging team, you're going to put pace up there on the front to make them think, to make them cautious, to make them not commit so many people forward or, you know, to get above themselves. So I expected Sterling to play. And, you know, newsflash, before this game, Sterling has scored 12 goals in his last 16 games. You, you're picking him above anybody. I mean, what's, you know, how, how does Grealish compare to that? He doesn't. You know, how does any player compare to that? He doesn't. And he's got the pace to uh, make Croatia think as well. There's, there's, there's a big thing with Southgate, and he talks about it a lot, doesn't he? Of trust, you know, he, he 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 sort of backs the guys who he's played before and have delivered for him before, and that sort of shows why there is no agenda against Grealish. Because if that was the case, Jesse Lingard would have been first name in the team sheet because yeah. you know he's performed for Southgate every time he's played for him, and he's left at home. And actually, yeah. in, the, in, in the qualifiers, if you look back at the highlights, there's a heck of a lot of goals being scored by one Ross Barkley, and Delhi Ali was featuring. So you know, Southgate's left some pretty heavy hitters out of the squad. <laughs> Recently, he's got he's gone on form. Jack is deservedly in the squad on form, and he will he will get game time on form. But he's just he's not the main man that 
people seem to think he necessarily is. I think he can he can have a big impact for England, absolutely. But but we, you've got to look at also tournament football. I mean, t- tournament football does not work. The first game, it's your uh, best eleven, and that's it. No. I mean, you just go through. I, I mean, any David Platt, for example, his World Cup 1990 is synonymous with that World Cup. He didn't actually start until the quarterfinal. No. Came on, came on as a sub in the second game. You know, you got Owen and Beckham. They didn't start Against the first Holland. game in uh, in '98, did they? Owen ca- came on in the Romania game in the second one. Beckham obviously had mo- big moments later in the tournament. Yeah, it? I mean, you know, Owen's uh, goal against Argentina. You know, that that is him coming on. It's not him starting the first game of the group stages. And you know, Platt second game when it came on for Brian Robson against Holland. Uh, and, you know, I remember as a Villa fan, you're going, get him on because he's better than most of these schmucks. It's almost <laughs> the same position as we are now as Villa fans. You were thinking, look, England, if you seriously want a chance in this, get him on. <laughs> Even in terms of form, I mean, you, you look back to your 96 and Shearer hadn't scored for England for over a year, had he, before that first game against Switzerland, which we drew in a rather unconvincing way. You know, you look at the number of tournaments. I mean, this is the first time we've won our first game in the Euros ever against a pretty good side. It's it was a case of, I think, get it get it done by whatever means possible, really. In the first game, you put the points on the board. Well done. But people are so, you know, it's depressed about beating Croatia in the first game. And, you know, I don't know how the fuck they're going to handle uh, 1988 when England got beat by Ireland in that first game where they were one of the favourites. Can you imagine the Twitter reaction many years ago when we went a goal down after, like, was it 15 seconds or something against San Marino? Can you imagine what the reaction would have been to that? But in you know in tournaments, uh, you know, also famously, nineteen eighty six, people depressed against beating Croatia. I mean, compare. I mean, I remember really being depressed when uh, Brian Robson went off injured. England lost their first game against Portugal in eighty six in Mexico, and you just thought, ah, oh, shit, we're fucked. Then you thought, ah, oh, we're going to beat Morocco because you know back in those days, nobody really paid the African teams any respect. I mean, in many ways, uh, it was like 86 and onwards that they started to really, uh, you know, make a name for themselves. Next game against Morocco, you're expecting to beat them. Ray Wilkins gets sent off, nil-nil. And you're thinking, all right, we've lost our midfield now. Our original first 11 midfield, Wilkins and Robson's gone, and we've got to beat Poland or else we're out. And that was real high-stakes stuff, and that was depression. And that was like losing, you know, that midfield actually formed as the... uh, as the tournament went on. And, you know, that was a half-decent team in terms of uh, they were so close to beating Argentina. And, uh, you know, if it wasn't for Maradona, I think if Brian Robson was still playing, he, uh, I don't think Maradona would be waltzing past him in the midfield as he uh, as he went on his little yeah. mazy run. Teams and players come through the tournament and that is where, you know, Grealish has a chance. The first game of the tournament means nothing. I mean, I can't think of a team that has started a tournament blitzing the first game and then just went all the way through beating every team easily the whole way through I mean traditionally like the team that doesn't start well gets to the final I mean you only need to look at the Italian teams Argentina in 1990 you remember that first game against Cameroon when Canadia yeah. was assaulted three times in the, yeah. in, the, in the match I mean they lost that they got right to the final I mean it's Italy, Italy, eighty-two drew their three group games against Cameroon, Poland, and Peru, and just just looked like nobody's managed to win it. Yeah. I mean, so, so in the context of uh, you know people, people going, oh, well, you know, look at uh, Italy, look at Holland, and I watched, you know, I watched the England game, and and I was, and I thought this is this is interesting because that was quite comfortable. 
and we had it con- you know, in control and he played the right players at the right time. People crying because Grealish, you know, Rashford come on, came on instead of Grealish. It was like, well, they're going to have to chase the game now. So you put more pace on to give them, you know, to give them something to think about and to catch them on the break. It was obvious. Tiring, it's hot, you know, it's near 30 degrees pitch side. It just all made sense what Southgate was doing. And, and it was just these, you know, partisan Claret and Blue just wanted to see Grealish. Yeah, I wanted to see Grealish. But the bigger picture is this is a team that he put out. You know, the Trippier thing, okay, you know, he explains it, but it doesn't seem logical to me in terms of balance or whatever. But the rest of it, no real problems. And in terms of getting your, you know, your Claret and Blue fix, let's give credit where credit's due. Ming's had a really good game. Yeah, no, he was great. And that was. Represented our club fantastically. And there was people queuing up Villa fans and other other fans to give him a good bash in if he he fucked up. Yeah, and and I thought he was really solid. Really solid. Kept it very simple. I don't necessarily think it was the the hardest game he's had, let's be honest, but I think everything he had to do, he did really well. Yeah, I mean, you know, looking at some of the other other potential opponents like the Czechs, big team, I I fancy Mings against them. Yeah. Kind Same. of, you know, it's uh, it's a physical battle, isn't it? And also, I, th- I think in terms of the way football has gone, and in terms of like the way a, a John Stones plays, he's a ball playing centre back. Sometimes you just need someone who just does defensive stuff. He heads the ball well. He could put it in Rosette if needs be. That England uh, centre back pairing just reminded me of the Villa pairing. It's Mings attacks everything. He's the front line of the defence in yeah. terms of that back four, and uh, Stones is pretty much in the Conza position. It sweeps up if need be. Just read, you know, read the game as it unfolds uh, behind Mings as he goes to meet the danger, and uh, away you go. And Mings is vocal. I mean, I heard that yeah. in the friendlies. You know, Mings isn't a senior England player yet or even necessarily particularly established at that level. But you heard it in, I think it was the Austria game. He, he played, well, you saw um, it in the him. Croatia game. Yeah, pointing. you can hear him. like He's constantly chirping all through the game. He encourages his team. Pointing as well. Yeah, he just, he just he marshals his defence. It's good. So I think no, if, if Villa fans can take that as a big positive. Yeah, I mean, the best thing about you can say about Mings is, even if he does have, I mean, he has the odd lapse in concentration, it doesn't affect the rest of his game. Mings can carry on the rest of his game as if that lapse in concentration doesn't happen. Yeah, the yeah. camera always usually pans to his face and he just gives it this look like, ah, you know, He's no worries. He's a confident guy, I need to be fair. Yeah, because they were all giving them stick about that um, shoulder barge on the, the Austrian. And he just, yeah. he just, you know, he just turned around and goes, well, it was a friendly, wasn't it? Didn't matter. And you would yeah. get away with it? No, he, he said, I knew there wasn't VAR. Yeah, and that's why he did it. Got away with it, and that's mm-hmm. what you, that's the kind of thing you want. Because I think he said in that interview, and you know, as, as we've always said, you just look around how the rest of Europe plays this game, and Shitowsery is up there. You know, the Portuguese, the Spanish, they will play. You know, they will uh, use every dark art possible to make sure they win, because winning is the end game. And in the, in, in on, and to carry on the theme of sort of shit housing. Dothar caps to Calvin Phillips. I mean, the amount of times he just gave away little niggly free kicks in and around the middle of the park, broke the Croatia game up. Somehow didn't get booked. Fair, I don't know if not, I can remember got booked. And he just thought he's done his job really well. He deserved you know, to get his assist, he made the goal for Sterling really well. But actually, in that deep lying role, I thought him and Rice did really well. He wasn't playing deep lining alongside him. He was playing like a number eight. Yeah, I mean, that was his role. And, and that. And I wanted to get onto this. Uh, that was the main thing. You know, you look at England uh, last tournament and you're thinking there's something missing here that I didn't feel legitimately that we could win this tournament. And when I saw Phillips playing where he was and he was almost like uh, meeting them in their own half 
and you know they had to get past him before they could think about launching any any kind of attack. He was kind of closing them down, but also getting forward as well. And he's useful. He's he's. Uh, I mean, he set up the goal, for example. He did really well for the goal. He had a good volley as well. I started to think this could be the difference that actually gives uh, almost like a, a throwback Brian Robson kind of character. I don't know if he's he's got as many goals in his game, but this is a bit of toughness that could give England an advantage in, in these games, even against you know the better teams. You've got to remember, at the end of the season, Leeds were beating Manchester City, Manchester United, taking points off uh, Liverpool, all those teams that we were ahead against and we couldn't close out and we lost the games. Leeds were, Leeds were taking points off. They didn't get beat by any of these teams, the top, top teams. And you're thinking, well, one of the reasons has to be because Phillips is in their team. And that's what gives me hope if we do play the Germans and the you know Portuguese. Phillips is somebody that might give us uh, a bit of a, a stronghold in the midfield. And that's what I thought, actually, this England team might do something. The way they've kind of dealt with Croatia with a minimum of fuss, and a lot of it is, is down to Phillips. And pragmatism. You know, I mean, we all want to. See, we all know that you know we've got amazing attacking flair, but you kind of have to harness it in the right way. And sometimes you have to be pragmatic against a team like Croatia, who, let's be honest, have still got one of the best ball-playing midfield players in the game at the moment. Who they could, they didn't, fortunately, but they could have just pulled us apart. You saw little glimpses where they could play through our lines, and you thought, oh, okay, they can they can do this. But actually, England held their defensive shape really well because they generally yeah. always had maybe probably six players behind the ball, and they let those front players like Foden, Sterling kind of get try and get in behind I mean if we did you obviously know Foden hit the post Sterling had a couple of good breaks I don't think Sterling had an amazing game but I thought he was a willing runner did his job well and Foden's goes in that you know Sterling set that up yep and you know Sterling I think he he, he was very involved in the game I mean sometimes people have problems with Sterling's uh, first touch is it's lacking a little bit you know technically at times but I don't know. I think that he was on Croatia's mind all the time, he and uh, I had you know no problem with him at all. It was quite funny in that interview when the, the, the woman asked him, uh, "Do you think he earned his place?" <laughs> and he went, "Huh?" Yeah, it's like it's a bit kind of condescending. Yeah, but you know, let's say it again. It's that is now thirteen goals in his last seventeen games. You can't argue against that. You can't say he's right record. You pick him every time with that bloody record for for a game like that against Croatia. Now, where Grealish comes in is against. He will be. Uh, he will see some of the action against Scotland. I'd imagine just because I think. Well, Scotland now have have to come forward. I think if they got something against the Czechs, they could have sat back a bit more. And that's where, you, you know, Grealish is coming into play uh, 100%, whether it's from the bench or he starts. I think against the Czechs, if we deal with Scotland, then we're, you know, we're through. And then I think uh, Southgate will uh, make some changes. So I'd expect probably Grealish to start that game. Mm-hmm. Just be patient with the old Grealish. Well, like you said before, it's tournament football. I mean, you, you can sort of like draw two parallels. Southgate's playing tournament football at the minute. Would you, would you rather have Tim Sherwood manage in England? I mean, it might be a more entertaining game, but you're not going to go further than the you know the group stages. You're going to be like Holland. Yeah, you know, it's all very good and well in having you know attacking fireworks, and it's great. At some point, England are going to need to show some attacking prowess, but ultimately, it's about winning. But 
Grealish, you may or not know uh, if you support Aston Villa that he's been out for two or three months with a shin injury and in, even in the friendlies for England in the run-up to this he's been ice packing up his shins as soon as he comes up. So do you think really he can play three group stage games you know, one after the other and then play uh, the knockout ones? Do you think he's ready for that? I wouldn't really think so uh, You know, with those kind of shin problems. So I mean, Southgate's not stupid here. And also it's, it's tactically having him in games when you can get the best out of him when you know when, when the, you know the, the game is set up for him. Was I think you know we sort of ten fifteen to go in a game that you're sort of holding him at arm's length pretty well. I don't think that's necessarily the point of the game. You know, like our, you know the our not so illustrious rivals down the road will have been really proud with Bellingham's performance. So I thought he came on, and at that point in the game, that was the right change for me because it just yeah. gave you that little bit of energy in the middle of the park to just close it out. He put his foot in when he needed to. And he can carry the ball well. Mm, and people are forgetting as well that if you looked at the, the time in the second half where it did go a bit flat, Southgate sent Jack out to get warmed up. I mean, and then Sterling every, scored, wouldn't it? It was, yeah, kind I mean, of, the, it, was, it was coming. Yeah, there was every chance that he could have brought on Grealish if he, if he was needed. But like I said, Sterling and Phillips combined for that goal, got the job done. And then, you know, the game scenario changed. It was like, right, well, yeah. you, you need to bring on different players now. Yeah, I, I just, I just think there's a lack of respect to Southgate, and there's this, just this selfishness that people just think this, this tournament's just about watching Grealish play when it's actually about England winning the damn thing, and uh, you play your squad to achieve that. And at the moment, a, you're not surprised that Grealish isn't there straight away because he is still got an ongoing shin problem. He's been out the last, you know, two to three months. So if that was a player from another team, you'd be thinking, uh, you know, hang on a minute. Well, Jordan Henderson's been out the same amount of time. I didn't see anybody crying for him to play. Yeah, but it's not as, you know, this the problem, you know, what you've got to realise also is Grealish has a lot of competition. Some of the best players in the Premier League are his competition in this England team. So it's not as if uh, you're losing anything dramatically by not playing uh, Grealish. It's, uh, you know, he he will be used when the moment arises. Bearing in mind, you got another cracking player who didn't even make the bench in Sancho. Yeah. Sancho and Chilwell, who were, you know, Chilwell's just won a Champions League, wasn't even in the match day 23, neither was Sancho. So we're not yeah. exactly short of options here. I think there's going to be interesting use of the squad, I'm sure, because I think Southgate will be looking at it, as you said earlier. Go and beat Scotland and you're through. I mean, to be honest, get a draw against Scotland and you're through in the way that the group seedings and stuff work. In terms of yeah. the, you know, the top three sides and all that, I mean your goal difference. So I think he will. He's going to have to manage his squad. He'll know from their workloads and that through the season where they're at physically because they're constantly testing these players with all the you know they've got analytics come out of their arse, haven't they? They know everything about every player's you know how they're recovering and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, so he'll know when he needs to bring someone in or bring them out or manage them a bit or they'll you know, they'll pull them back in training etc. You know, as you said, they're not stupid. They've got the be- some of the best sports science in the country. So when sorry when when Grealish is coming off a uh, long term injury and it is something that needs ice packs on his shins after every game, it's not realistic to see him playing every blood you know like how many games five six seven potentially games within uh, you know a matter of uh, two or three weeks. It's so don't don't be worried that he hasn't played the first bloody. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. One thing that I liked about this, where we, we, I think we alluded to it, but England looked organized. And, you know, there's people saying, oh, we didn't look good, as good as like teams like the, you know, Italy or Holland. Holland. <laughs> Holland was <which> appalling <laughs> at the back. <laughs> Holland all over the place. I mean, Ukraine showed them so much respect. And then when they decided, oh, shit, we're 2-0 down, we better do something about this, scored two goals pretty swiftly. And easily. I mean, the first one's a corker, in it, and, but the, the, the header from the free kick, the second goal, the equaliser, it's just shocking defending. Even the first one, really, it's crap, crap defending. But the comparison was England's was almost a comfortable, calculated win, while Holland were just like, didn't look organised. I mean, you know, Frank de Boer, he's only had a few months. He, he hasn't been able to, uh, well, you know, it's big questions marks against him, you know, over his head, considering uh, some of his previous managerial uh, reigns. Dutch fans flew a plane over the training ground, didn't they, with with a banner Frank play four three three, which is <laughs> which is the Dutch way because he was tinkering with like a five, and uh, I think he you know he kept to his uh, kept to his own philosophy. But I would be more happier as a England fan than a Dutch fan, put it that way. It's nice just to quietly go about our business. You can draw a line at the first game, tick done. Onto the next one, and then onto the yeah, next yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, but it's, it's more than that. It's it's uh, it's it's not momentum. It's none of the cliches. It's there's something solid about it. There was something solid about it. I think that's momentum because it's something to build on. I well, think because if, 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 if we'd have won sort of four nil, blown him away, everyone got right game over. We're winning this. I don't think anyone's getting too carried away, but we kind of think, well, okay, we can. It's, you know, there's something to build on here, and we've got foundations. As you said, it's solid. Now it's now let's sort of exert ourselves a bit more against the Scots where it'll be, you know, we won't be playing in 30 degree heat. Yeah, I mean, ultimately you just get through the group. That's the uh, yeah. always the goal. Of which yeah. you don't need to do very much to get through your group in this tournament this year. Like as a relative neutral looking at England in this tournament, you, I mean, you won the first game against your hardest, supposedly hardest opponents and you barely broke sweat. I mean, you, you, you can't complain. And you didn't play a lot of the cards you still have up your sleeve as well, which is, uh, that's another thing. Southgate's got cards up his sleeve that he hasn't even played yet. One of them, the initials J and uh, G, I think. Uh, The other home countries, uh, well, let's talk about John McGinn. Tough afternoon. Well, Czech. yeah, tough, tough, tough afternoon for him. Really. I mean, the Czechs uh, just They're sat tidy. back and let let them uh, have a go. Uh, let Scotland have a go at them, and uh, you just saw that they just didn't have that kind of. Uh, I heard a really quality. interesting. Yeah, 
I heard an interesting little phrase that will probably get used a bit more. I'll certainly take it on board. And they're called the, the Czechs had tournament craft, which I quite liked. They just you can tell they've got that little bit more experience in a tournament game to just you know be a little bit more clinical when you get the chances, not overexert yourself and get the job done. Relatively young team though. Yeah, because the Scots looked nervy and kind of forced it a bit. And they looked quite physically big. The Czechs actually. I mean, yeah. you know, normally they're quite tidy and uh, well. Different generations of Czech teams have been quite tidy and nifty, but this this team looks a bit more set-piece orientated and uh, not to be trifled with. Uh, what a goal, by the way, for the second one. Oh, yeah, no, well, it was great, a great finish. I mean, the first one's a brilliant header. I just think, I, yes, I mean, I think it was a very much a damp squib for the Scots. You know, they went into this game, and I thought they'd actually get the win in this one. I thought the, the fans might carry them over the line. I just think yeah, the Czechs not enough fans they scored. Though, so. They scored at just the right time. So they got the goal just before half time, not stuffing out of them once. Scots started well in the second half. They got the second, and it just, after that second goal, the, the yeah. Scots kind of huffed and puffed a lot. But they, for all their sort of effort and energy or whatever, they just lacked quality in either penalty area. They could have played till 10 pm and they wouldn't have scored. Yeah, they kind of floundered a little bit. And then the Welsh. You know, I mean, they, you know, they, they got the draw, but I, frankly, I didn't even bother watching them. I'm, I'm not that bothered. It doesn't, no, doesn't seem a particularly exciting Welsh team, this one. I saw a, a good bit of the Wales game, and it was, it, 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 they put almost all the effort they had in the, getting the draw in that game, which when you compare to how they performed in the last Euros, you know, Wales had something to tank, but you have yeah. Aaron Ramsey has hardly played, and he's struggling through Gareth Bale again. He's just, he's just not the Gareth Bale that he used to be. I mean, the question is, they just need to raise their game once against Turkey, I think. Uh, and Turkey, uh, they they were, I expected more from Turkey, I must admit. I thought they were going to, uh, I mean, I, I thought they potentially could give Italy a rough ride, but Italy just squatted them aside. They didn't even really have a go either, which was strange. They kind yeah. of tried to park the bus, but didn't even do a particularly good job of that. And once the first Italian goal went in, it kind of all became a bit inevitable. Because, you know, they've got some players in their team and got legacy. They've got to the semi-finals of a World Cup before, so they, sh- they shouldn't be this kind of park-the-bus minnow mentality, really. Just a generational thing, perhaps. But I mean, what, what's your guys' view on the, the overall sort of start to the tournament? It's kind of been a bit of a strange one, it feels. It doesn't feel like a tournament to me. No, I mean, it loses its edge just by not being uh, hosted in one country, I think, because you, yeah, you, you're it's, missing, it's out on the, missing out on the culture. and yeah. uh, It certainly lacks an identity. Entity, doesn't it? It just feels like a bunch of games scattered around, which of course is exactly what it is. But it's like the uh, UEFA Nations League or whatever it yeah. is. Yeah, and the, and this weird dynamic of certain teams have a home advantage and others don't. You know, Italy, England, Holland, Spain are all playing their games in their own country. Yeah, other teams bullshit, are having to travel it? abroad. It's just bizarre. It's. Uh, I mean, the whole idea of being a host is you have advantage, and that just should be one host, not like. Uh, a bunch Four or of teams. five host teams. Yeah, I've got a, a, a you know seriously better advantage over most teams. It's especially uh, at this one where you know it isn't like say for example where if England go anywhere away from home, especially in a tournament, you know you're going to be pretty much fifty fifty anyway because the of England's travelling support. This one, like there was a few checks in the crowd, but an England game at Wembley at the moment is all England. Yeah, although you know it's not the same without. Full, no. full, full crowds. Other teams uh, we've seen so far, and we have still got uh, actually one group. We haven't seen the group of death yet, which Hungary's going to win. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I am interested. I think the Germans generally are pretty workmanlike, but this is, doesn't look like a vintage German side. I think the French, everyone is tipping them to be there or thereabouts. So I'm interested to see their game just to, just to think, get a gauge of where the French are at. I think Portugal uh, are a, a tip for, for going deep in the competition as well. They could well, probably be that side that potentially could finish third in their group, but could cause some damage from that position there. Uh, one I of those th- ones th- that nobody I wants think, to get drawn I mean, against. I think, I think Portugal beat Germany. Mm, we definitely don't want them in penalties anyway. Fernandez and Ronaldo in the team. No, no, you're you're missing you're missing something about Germany. You see, Yoki Lowe has had the you know he's had to recall Müller, he's had to recall Hummels. You know he's he's back down. I heard one German pundit say that they spent three years getting it wrong before going back to the tape, and since they went back to tape, they haven't lost. So they might they might do better than we think. Certainly have some experience there, won't they? Yeah, I saw I saw uh, them pl- uh, get beat by Holland in one of the uh, qualifiers, and I just thought, yeah, it's, this is not. Uh, and did the they lose to the North Macedonia? Yeah, they did yep. indeed. So, I mean, people always write off the Germans going into tournaments, as Lineker likes to say. And uh, But this isn't like one of those where the top two go through easy because the other two teams are crap. This is a, a proper group. You've got three teams there. Well, Hungary are going to win it, but you've got three teams there that might get into the final. <laughs> yeah. Well, they'll certainly all have aspirations to be at the business end of the tournament, won't they? Depending and, on the draw uh, they get. But. That is the own. I mean, Croatia... I mean, I'm quite interested in Croatia-Czech game because then you'll get a better gauge of how good England's win was and what kind of Croatia team. Is this a, a yesteryear tournament too far, Croatia, or what? But, yeah, I, I can't see anybody in that Group C of Austria, Netherlands, Ukraine, Macedonia doing any damage deep into this tournament. And Belgium, of course, uh, are a good and you wouldn't want to play them any at any stage of this tournament. And having watched the Spanish, they are, you know, just like the heavy hitters over there, you know, Barca and Real, they look like a bit of a, a very much a golden generation of Spanish football has come to an end. Yeah, well, they're just lacking, they're lacking real uh, star quality up front, I think. Yeah. The Italians, I, I think, the, you know, the Italians have got the spirit to... Uh, Become a force in tournament. I mean, it's not wouldn't be the wouldn't be the first time they've done it. Well, they've got a sort of a young, exciting team, and they seem to play with a bit more tempo and a bit more sort of pizzazz about them, yeah. which is very unlike traditional Italian teams in tournaments. Normally, they kind of they, they, would, they would be like a one nil specialist, and I think they'll have too much for the likes of Wales and Switzerland comfortably. So, yeah. so they'll cruise through that group, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, roll on the group of death because that's the only one with real intrigue, I think. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Poland did what they always do, disappoint. Well, Lewandowski we, failed to turn up again. Well, they, they never get the ball to him. He never touches yeah. the ball. Poland, have, like historically, uh, I mean, they, have a, they normally have a great player, but it's when they've got two or three really decent players around that great player that they become a force like Bonnie Ake had Lato and and a couple of other guys that I can't pronounce actually this is going back you know 74 78 82 and they were a real force and probably if Bonnie Ake wasn't suspended in the semi-final against Italy would have probably beaten Italy and uh, history would be completely different but uh, yeah they disappointed big time against uh, Slovakia and uh, obviously got bloke sent off and that pretty much ruined their chances of doing anything and I can't see them uh, doing anything uh, they'll probably beat Spain now after I've said that but, <laughs> uh, but Sweden never underestimate the Swedes they they do normally 
punch above their weights in tournaments. So they've got a good chance of uh, progressing as well. One big plus of this tournament, though, and it brings back memories of when we were first introduced to VAR in other uh, major national team tournaments, is, you know, this is how VAR should be, isn't it? I, I mean, I haven't watched a game yet where there's been a big kerfuffle or I've been sitting there waiting for five minutes to find out what the decision is, or this is just VAR how it should be applied, is it not? Certainly with the handball stuff, the refs have got it absolutely spot on. That's because most games there's been an appeal gone up for a handball decision that clearly these players think they'd get in their league or you know, their domestic, wherever country they're from. And, um, and the refs have been really firm and just kind of stamped it out. Yeah. And I love how they've got this remit, haven't they, to, to stop players surrounding the refs. It's brilliant. Yeah, the most difficult decision I've seen so far was the, the offside call in Ukraine versus the Netherlands. The decision was made, the game played on, and then you got shown the working out afterwards, which maybe that's that's the way forward. I mean, you don't need to see the... the and like in the Premier League, you don't need to see the VAR working out in real time to see what's going on. Just tell us what the decision is, You know, get on with the game, and then show why the decision afterwards. Was that for TV audiences showing after? Yeah, it must have been. This is the thing, because you want transparency. Because <laughs> they said next season they're not going to uh, show you how it's worked out, which is a bit, hmm, that sounds well, we a bit fucking suspicious. <laughs> yeah, but to go, to go back to the, the referee, and I mean, even niggly, you know, niggly fouls, there's plenty of times referees are just waving the hand, you know, get up again. There's no, uh, the games are flowing a lot better. Yeah, I think ultimately, though, in terms of referees, you, you wait until the first knockout round, knockout stage, because that's when the tensions are a bit higher and people, players are kind of, uh, let's say, are playing the dark hearts a little bit more. But so far, very, very, uh, it's a, that's a massive positive, actually. Is the, yeah, Premier whole, League take note. Yeah, but yeah, in, England. Uh, if Phillips develops in tournament and uh, gives us that foothold in midfield, he could be the surprise package. Combination of uh, Rice and Phillips could could be the answer. I mean, problem is if you know Henderson's knocking on the door, will uh, Southgate be strong enough to say, well, you know, these guys are doing great? So yeah, that's the sort of you could say the same about Maguire. If I mean, if if Mings and Phillips have another good couple of games in the groups, and then all of a sudden Henderson and Maguire are fit. And for the first knockout game, say he brings back Henderson and Maguire, or even one of them, and it goes wrong. I mean, he's just he's just leaving himself open to trouble. I do think though, if, if Maguire is fit, I think he plays because I know Southgate, Southgate seems to like him. He's one of the first names on the team sheet for him. So Henderson maybe less so. I think I think I think he knows he's got guys he trusts in that position. I think certainly at centre back, it's probably where England potentially are at their weakest compared to the rest of the field. Um, yeah, I think you've got a problem uh, with injuries if you get into a centre-back. Another centre-back goes down, then mm-hmm. you might have a problem. Because I don't think he really wants to play you know, a, a white or anyone like that. If, I think he'd probably play Carl Walker as a centre-back over a couple of other guys, actually. Was you surprised Walker started at right-back? Nah, I think Walker's a cracking player. Yeah, I know he gets a little bit of stick every now and then, but I thought, I thought he defended well. He didn't, he didn't have a particularly great game by his own standards. Um, and there was, a, James, there was one good moment where he shielded off that player, yeah, which yeah, you know, said he, he defended well. I just think with the ball, he was a little bit scrappy, but he's a good player. He, he gives you, he gives you pace. He gives you an out ball, and I think he can recover well. And I think again with the fact that um, Trippier played at left back, he went with a bit of experience of guys yeah. who have done it for him in a tournament before. You know, obviously, Stones, Pickford, those guys, they played in the last World Cup. People have issues with Pickford. I, I think he reminds me of uh, a lot. Of, <laughs> he's like a continental keeper when like 
and Italy will win the World Cup. And you, you think, how the fuck did they win the World Cup with that fucking piece of shit? Yeah. Goal? <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like when there's a great team and they got a crap keeper, but they still win the World Cup. Or the, the... Kind of like when Spain had Casillas. You know, Casillas yeah. was a good goalie, but he always had an error in him. You know, like, you know, 82, Italy won the World Cup with, you know, 40-year-old Dino Zoft. It's like the, the trick is not to let the other team have a shot. <laughs> that yeah. tends to work. Yeah, but I was looking at some uh, highlights of the last World Cup, and he made a, you know a couple of good saves there, like top draw saves. Yeah, and his form at the end of the season was very good. Actually, I remember when he played against the Villa, he made some cracking saves in that game. Yeah, so I don't, I don't mind him because he can, he can have a you know an inspired game. And the way we want to play, we need a goalkeeper with good distribution, which is actually yeah. one of the things I was going to say. One thing he. he necessarily didn't do particularly well was and I think most people would have got frustrated by it was if you're going to play the long ball game from the goalkeeper don't bang it up to five foot fuck all uh, Sterling who isn't going to win anything in the air yeah that was the only sort of little blot against Pickford but I think his distribution is the best of the goalkeeper options we've got and he seems to trust him so again it's if it's the Southgate trust game he'll go with the guys who he knows will get the job done for him this is a one final question is Harry Kane there's two types of centre-forwards for me in international level. There's one that scores a shitload of goals in qualifiers, but then doesn't really... Isn't that inspiration when it comes to the actual tournament? The man that gets you out of jail or, or scores a you know, shitload of goals to get you through. Like, you know, Lineker would dig us out of holes. But Kane sometimes, I don't know. For me, I'm not 100% convinced, even though he's like, you know, the, probably the first name on the, shit, on the team sheet. I think he needs a friend. Yeah, I was just going to say, he, he kind of got a bit isolated, didn't he? Because uh, Sterling and Foden, although they're down as like forwards and attacking players, they're, they're not going to help Kane. They're very much off him or past him. Um, yeah. you know, he's got Son at Spurs that, you know, they're in tandem, the pair of them, I think. I think Harry Kane's got visions on being like a number 10. Uh, that's probably where he's most comfortable because all those assists he gets as well. So, but um, you know, Calvert Lewin or Watkins if they'd have taken him, but uh, even Rashford on maybe with Kane would help him. Maybe I mean maybe even uh, Grealish helps Kane in uh, certain respects. Well, I thought Kane was actually unlucky not to get the goal. Didn't he had that chance at the back post where they defended us, you know, incredibly to to get the ball out. Um, so I think if Kif Kane has a quiet game, pops up and and got the second goal, we'd have been saying, oh yeah, well Kane does what Kane does, but. There's obviously more to come from yeah. from him and some of our other big players. Such an embarrassment of riches. <laughs> yeah, Mason Mount was all right, and I think he will. Uh, yeah, he'll grow into it. Grow into the tournaments, and you know, seem to be enjoying himself. Just, uh, I mean, he's unlucky with that free kick. Actually, wasn't wasn't, wasn't a bad effort. Okay, if I feel like I've been starved from decent free kicks, it must be watching the Villa. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's all uh, all good on the England front as we speak. It's sometimes not good. It's not you know. It's not great to bang a team four 0 in the first game and get everybody giddy thinking they're going to win. I think this is uh, everything I remember about tournaments. I feel a bit more warm inside about that comfortable one 0 win against Croatia, a team that we haven't actually fared that well against uh, in recent times. No thoughts ahead of Scotland. Will he make changes? Will he start, stick with the same team? I think we'll beat Scotland. I think we should. I think if you lose that, if you if you don't win that game, I think the knives will be sharpened. And that's not and that's not because of the tournament context, but that's just because I think Scotland are not a good side. This one thing we've seen. I think they're all right. I think I think they're all right. I think they're uh, they're industrious. They're just lacking that star quality up 
up the top. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, that England team that started against uh, Croatia had never played together. The starting 11 had never played together. I wouldn't be surprised if Southgate picks another 11 that hadn't played together for the next game. It seems to be he approaches each game, you know, and he, he picks the tools to win that one game and, you know, not yeah. thinking about the next ones. But you, you're going to ma- have to match uh, Scotland for effort. So I think that's Phillips would be playing. I think Rice would be there in the middle. I can't see much change. I mean, I would... Uh... He might actually start the same team, but just he'll use his bench differently because I think England are obviously, in terms of the, the, the strength and depth, it just blows Scotland out of the water in terms of what we yeah. can bring off the bench. But Because I don't think they can bring anybody off the game, the bench who can necessarily win in the game. And that's the thing. We can, we, we, can, we can keep bringing people off the bench until we win the game. Yeah. <laughs> Especially with five subs. Yeah. It's a shame we didn't have a sixth sub, then maybe Grealish might get a game. <laughs> right, on that note, and that was a joke, by the way. I think uh, you'll see Grealish against Scotland. Yeah, great. I think it will uh, it will. That'd be fun to him. see him against McGinn, wouldn't it? Yeah, what do you think of McGinn's uh, performance against uh, the Czechs? I thought it's... Similar uh, to some of his performances we saw for Villa at times of the season, to be honest. Just, you know, lots of energy, huffed and puffed a bit, but a bit ineffective. Would that be a fair reflection? I think rough around the edges was how you described. Yeah, uh, him. It just it wasn't particularly like silky in possession, and not like neat and tidy. But he just gives you that snap and that bite. But sometimes you, at this level, you need a bit more than that. Sometimes he's taking on shots where you know it's going to get blocked by the player in front of him, right? You know, you should, maybe his decision making is a bit kind of. Uh, I thought rash, Robertson, I Robertson had a good game though. I think yeah. he's obviously their star star player, isn't he? Yeah, they're going out. Right <laughs> on that note, it's. Goodbye from me, and it's goodbye from them. Goodbye. Goodbye. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.